Welcome back to another episode of the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Strength and Speed owner and buddy, your Battle of the Lions pro and preparer. So I got a guest with me online. Before we get to him, though, a quick word from this episode's sponsor. This episode is brought to you by VJ Shoes. If you're at OCR World Championships, you probably saw everyone wearing VJ Shoes because they're awesome. Uh, I was wearing them, and I've worn them for a bunch of the toughest mutters this year. Uh, I like the Maxes and the Ultras, the two kind of I've, I've flip-flopped between over the last couple months the extremes are good too there's just uh you need to have a little bit narrower feet if you're gonna if you're gonna rock those but uh ultras and the maxes are my two favorites i have not gotten a chance to try the newer versions of either but um they got new colors design and then if you saw at ocr world championships they've also got mud gear socks that kind of match the same look as the shoes which is really cool all right let's bring on our guest our guest is kendall ortez had two-time Ninja Warrior, one time made it all the way to the national finals in Las Vegas. He's been on a handful of OCR podiums, probably around 15 or so, if not more. Now, I know he's a regular on the Conquer the Gauntlet podium and uh, was also third place pro, part of the third place pro men's team at North American OCR Championships and has been to OCR WC four times. So, Kendall, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, so I've been I meaning. I've actually was we talked about bringing you on the podcast. I think it was like over a year ago, and I just I, I get sidetracked and uh, distracted, so it uh, never kind of kind of panned out uh, because mm-hmm. you work with a group called Overcoming Obstacle Ministries, which we're going to talk about in the second half of the episode. Uh, but the first half of the episode, um, and I also want to talk about some of your Ninja Warrior stuff because that's super interesting. And uh, I think you've also been a course tester. Is that correct? Oh yeah, that was that's a lot of fun too. Yeah, that, that looks like, to me, that looks like the most fun because there's, um, you get to play like more than once. So I think that's. Yeah, and you get to play on all four regional qualifiers, like obstacles instead of just your own regional qualifier. Ah, you get your yeah. advice obstacles. Yeah, that looks like the most fun. Anyway, um, so we're going to talk about OCRWC first and then jump into some Ninja Warrior and Overcoming Obstacle min- Ministries. So which uh, OCRWC events have you been to? Um, basically all the ones in Vermont. Um, I did the United States Championships probably three times now, when, ever since it was in Central Texas, all the way up to Vermont. Haven't, didn't quite get to make it out to London like I wanted to. Oh, Europe, whichever one it was. But yeah. Mostly everything in Vermont. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, this year at OCRWC, which was again in Stratton, Vermont, at the end of September, which events did you end up participating in? I did the 15K, the 3K, and the 100 meter. All right, so let's start the 100 meters, and we'll go from there. Um, did you get to do the 100 meters in 2021, was it? I did not get to do but I saw plenty of video of it. Yeah. So it, if you missed the 100 meters in 2021, it was it was a lot easier, and it, was, it, it ended up, because the rigs were so short, it ended up turning into like a jumping, or sprinting and jumping contest with the taller athletes like jumping and just slamming the bell um mm-hmm. so that that was less cool uh so t- tell me your thoughts on the 100 meter this year uh i really liked it it was a uh, you know no one really had an advantage or a disadvantage it came out to just overall speed and just obstacle technique um you know it, it did rain a lot so that did come um, out to play for a lot of us that wanted to do bigger moves so we had to go back and just do smaller moves but Overall, I mean, I think the whole course was fantastic. Yeah, my, my run was like super early Friday, and it was cold, and the obstacles were still wet. Went went mm-hmm. fairly poorly, right? Because if you fall off 
essentially at any point or you mess up at any point for the 100 meter that's your time is essentially done i mean you can obviously still finish yeah. but you know you're no longer even remotely competitive at that point um so you, obviously you have a ninja background and your obstacles is kind of like your specialty uh yeah. did you think it you thought the 100 meter obstacles were appropriate difficulty too easy too hard right like i know for you personally i think you probably would have tr- liked it harder um just cause yeah that's where you excel uh, for obstacle course racing perspective, I would say it is just like on point. But if you want to go more on the ninja side, I would definitely love to see some bigger, you know, laches, some um, maybe even like you know, some of the sand ladders. We had more wall, which is kind of cool. But for uh, OCR obstacles overall, it was pretty standard. So I think that they nailed it on the OCR race part. But if you wanted to be more like ninja warrior guys that come out there, we want to see some bigger moves happening. But like. At least, like one that you can't just reach from swinging. We want to be able to have to jump to it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I thought the, you know, I thought the first year it or the first year in or last year rather was not the first year. First year in Vermont for the hundred meter, I thought was, you know, a little too easy. The obstacles there was nothing. Um, it was just like average OCR obstacles. And again, we they had the problem with the short rigs and the bell. But this year, they it felt like they took some more of the technical obstacles and actually put them in the hundred meter. So give give people a rundown of like which obstacles were in the hundred meter. So of course you start from the back uh, corner. You run probably about twenty meters or so. You hop over a hurdle like a little wall. You go into I would say kind of like a school valley where it had um, some straight poles that you go across, some school uh, handholds, a ring back to school handholds to another bell. Then you got the about 10-foot wall, you jump over twice. You go into, I would say, some basic swinging obstacles. I don't know what kind of obstacles are actually called there. But, yeah, um, it was like kind of like the uh, Force 5 rig. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll describe it as if anyone remembers from, I think, the first year of NORAM, where it was underneath that big awning. It was kind of like a mini version of that. Yeah, I definitely played on, I played on that for like an hour and a half after the race <laughs> three years ago. That was fun. <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, a lot of those holes, I like them. Um, even when they're wet, they, they seem kind of grippy. If you're just, like, just grabbing them as you're jumping to them, that's when it gets a risk. But uh, then you go from that to basically, like, Tarzan swing, a lot of swinging obstacles, um, sideways, fire hoses, rope rope climbs, and then the wheel. And then two more uh, walls, you jump over it, and do the rings, ring hoppers, which I like. That was more a ninja obstacle I liked. I like to see that out there. Yeah, that was and, cool. And so the uh... wall. Yeah, warp wall, the cargo net, and then you ran across the finish line. Yeah, the the anchors away, I think some people call them from Savage Race, or um, I think in Battle of the Lines we called them uh, a shipwrecked or something, or might may, I may be confusing the two. But essentially it's rings and the kind of the those anchor-looking things, and you kind of hook. I thought that was a nice addition. Um, and, you know, that I, to me, I... I, I agree with you on the, you know, nailing kind of the OCR part. I think you, for the 100 meters, you want you want OCR obstacles. Uh, to me, it shouldn't turn into, like, all crazy ninja obstacles. Um, yeah. But it should be the harder OCR obstacles, but condensed into a short period that requires efficiency and speed. Um, I thought they, I thought they kind of nailed it. I thought they nailed it this year, absolutely. Yeah, that was uh, – I, I think they did it, like, fantastic this time. I mean, maybe a little bit of padding for, like, I saw some hard falls. Felt bad for those guys, but they were all fine. No one got too hurt. You know, it's a, it's a risk we do in this sport. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was over concrete, um, which is a, it's a kind of a product of the event space. I mean, there's uh, at the base of the mountain, there's just not that much space there. So um, especially with a, with when you have a 15K and a 3K and a team event that all have to use kind of some of those spaces, you can't be uh, you can't have the 100 meter. Um, mm-hmm. if, you, if you use the mountain, you essentially the 100 meter would, would be another hill, hill course. Uh, so, you know, take what we can get. Yeah, how, what, uh, how did your two runs go? Uh, so I got into the top eight and got to run three more times. Like I, I did the two qualifier ones that, like everybody does. Um, sat first seed in my division and then got to run uh, very first beginning. And then I um, failed the second one I got beat on my second uh, attempt knocked me into third place seed and I won that last one to get third place. Yeah. No big deal. No big deal. So who ended up winning? I honestly don't remember his name, but Joe Morowski won the overall elite division. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the other guy's name right now. He's, yep. he's not someone I've seen recently. I don't, but uh, they all, all ninjas. <laughs> yeah. It was cool to see some of the ninja crowd come out and, um, I was talking to Benny Gifford beforehand, and I was I was like, you know, you know, we've our sports we're kind of entering at this point. I would say our second decade of our sport, and the you know, there's there was a for the first decade. I think athletes can do a little bit of everything, right? Like you go from 100 meter all the way up to ultra and be fine. I think uh, mm-hmm. you're gonna start finally start seeing a little more of the specialization where you know you can't do you. You can't the, the competition level starts expanding and it gets too hard for people to be able to get at every single distance. Yeah. So you know, and and that's one of the things. Um, it's one of the things I like about OCRWC. Uh, so we'll jump over to the three K because I the out of all the, the race all weekend, the three K is the only one I have a minor critique for. Um, so what was your what was your thoughts on the three K for OCRWC? So when I think of the three K, I'm thinking like. Overall, they want just straight speed. And um, going into it, I, I didn't know what to expect. I actually didn't even see the course map until it was time to run. Honestly, I'm, I was really bad about that. But we went up a mountain probably like what, like two minutes into the race, mm-hmm. and it felt like straight up for like another five minutes or so. Like, And I think if they really want a speed race, they want to not just go up straight up a mountain the whole time. But, I mean... It's you gotta do what you what you got. The obstacles itself, so I like I liked all the obstacles that were in there. They're, you know, a lot of them were get on, get off real quick. Um, you know, a lot of not many like how how do I put it? Like harder obstacles in that one. A lot of easier ones for me, I guess. <clears throat> but I mean, overall, I did like the race that of the three k much better than having to run the fifteen k. Yeah, fresh still. And I did that's my first year doing it. I did not know the answer you were going to give, but I you you hit basically the exact same thing I was going to say. So you did you do the course in twenty nineteen? I did. This is actually the first oh. time I've done the three K. Oh, I've okay. already yeah, just done the fifteen K. Yeah. yeah. So the three K in twenty nineteen started on the as you're looking at the mountain. It started on the far right side, and it went mm-hmm. up very briefly, and then basically cut across the mountain. So to me, the 3K, the layout of the terrain at 2019's 
North American Championships 3K was the best use of that terrain because it was um, because it tested a different component of fitness, right? It tested what exactly what you were saying, tested like that fast running speed and obstacle efficiency where um, people had to fly through the obstacles um, and be fast, but without necessarily being a mountain runner. Like if you're a mountain runner, yeah, that's you know, there's it helps a little bit, but it was significantly less elevation gain than it was uh, this year and last year for the for the three k. So. But yeah, I thought the uh, technical obstacles were good. Um, watching, you know, I, I've been more impressed by VJ uh, VJ Jones every year who won the three k because there again there was a time when all you had to do is like be able to get across the obstacle, but it didn't necessarily mattered how efficient you were and to me like vj has really taken things up a level where he's been going across the obstacles in like very few moves and it makes all the other uh, yeah maybe not maybe he's not the one leading the charge but he's the he's the current champion right so everyone mm-hmm. everyone looks at him um but it makes everyone else have to do the similar things like all right well if i can't keep up with vj on the ground i gotta beat him on the obstacles but he's obstacle proficiency is just like through the roof you know he's doing you know canyon in like you know three moves or whatever and he's doing the uh uh drop zone the one with the angle ladders and i think something like also two or three moves where essentially he's jumping out to the second thing and then lacheing to the next one and then hitting the bell so yeah i saw that plenty of times that's a fun move <laughs> yeah that is so what would you think of some of the newer obstacles like a uh, drop zone or um the stairway 3.0 Stairway 3.0 is definitely one of my favorites just because it kind of feels more at home at like a ninja gym. So um, I saw a lot of people struggling on that that haven't seen something like that before. And also, like I said, half the time the, the obstacles were wet this year. And, you know, you can't do anything about the rain. But um, I liked it a lot just for having different holds on it and having to go straight up and then straight back down. Drop zone, I believe, was the three like monkey bars basically, right? Like the yeah. slant ones. Yeah, it was, was right that, in the main festival. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was a lot of fun for that one. Uh, I, right when I looked at that one, I was like, I'm lacheing those ones because anybody that has like that kind of background knows that six foot laches are a lot more doable no matter what obstacle it is than having to grab every single bar and go across just to save time and try to beat some people. Yeah. Uh, did you get to <laughs> – you did the 15K also, right? You said? Yeah. Um, yeah, the 15K. Do you remember, I think it's called LCD, Force 5 LCD, where you have the option to go around the edge of the obstacle or you can lache down the middle? You know which one I'm talking about? I, if I do, I didn't know about that option. I just went down the middle. I didn't oh, okay. know that some people can go around the side. Yeah, so it, it's, it's essentially squares, right? So you can either lache from bar to bar going straight down or if you want Oh, to, yes. Yeah. Yes. I know what you're talking about now. I would I like was so early in the race, I forgot. <laughs> yeah, it, or fairly early in the 15K. I would like to see that either closer to the festival. You know, again, these are all – the problem is if you put that closer to the festival, you have to move something else that's interesting away from the festival. But to me, that's always yeah. an interesting one, and I think that would be um, – I think incorporating something similar for the 100-meter where, like, you know, you have the option to lache, I think would be, yeah, would be cool too. That would be a good idea, actually, like, because some people would want to take the sides to, for safety, but some other other people would like to do the big jumps. Yeah. And again, those were like six, maybe seven foot laches that um, would like people would definitely like to link them, and it would look cool for you know all the fans watching. 
Yeah, yeah. Definitely be a good race to see some people do that. Did you end up blinking them, or did you like reset after each one? Yeah, I ended up blinking those things. Uh, I was racing my buddy for the most time of the race, my buddy Walker Lloyd, and that's why I always beat him with the obstacles. He's always beating me on the running, so I just try to get off and on real quick while he catches up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that LCD. That's a, that's a fun one. I ended up, uh, I. <laughs> You know, I, I was far back enough. I was like, well, Lachey is not going to really make a difference in, in placement. I was like, but I'm going to do it anyway out of principle. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I had fun fl- flying through that one. Um, any other thoughts on the 3K before we jump into the 15K? Um, I mean, I basically said what all. I mean, I would like to see it on flatter ground. Being a, you know, Texan, we don't have much of the hills over here. So, I know it's not a excuse or anything. You can do whatever you want. I can do Sir Master. But, yeah, I think just for a 3K, I want to see more speed. I want to see people, you know, going as fast as they can the whole time. So just think flatter ground would be better for that race, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Obstacles, like I said, were, to me, were really good for what they were. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's about it in the 3K. Yeah, I, th- I thought the obstacles were really good. And I think, you know, if anyone went and lost their band and is like, oh, man, I lost their band, I'll say, I'll say this. The sport has evolved so much since it started that you would not like this course would have obliterated people, you know, in in 2014, 15, 16. Mm -hmm. I think 2017 is probably the first time you'd probably have a a closer to a similar uh, finishing percentage. Um, But those first couple of years, this course, I mean. The you know, when when they introduced Stairway to Heaven, people were like, "Oh no!" like panicking. And then this is, um, you know, to me, this was a harder version of Stairway, the three version. And uh, yeah, because it's a uh, different holds. It's not just flat the whole time. Yeah, it's definitely harder for a lot of new people. I haven't done that obstacle in, in general. Right, and you're going up, and then you're going down. Like going up is um one thing, right? Because you need some upper body strength. But sometimes going down is harder because you have your you have your the momentum of your body in addition to gravity pulling you down there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lot easier to twist your hand off and like just straight up slip yeah. without even meaning to. <laughs> All right, so let's jump over to the 15k. What are your what are your, some of your thoughts on there? Um, well, 15k is always a wild ride for me. I have, like I said, I'm not a mountain runner, so. Going up, that, up and down that mountain three times in the race definitely destroys me. I would say it is my first time ever not getting a cramp in this race, which I was really happy about. Um, but I did enjoy the 15K for what it was. Now, it was scary sometimes going down that hill with all the mud. I would probably do like five-foot slides because he couldn't stop, basically. And that was the only scary part of the race. I did like see some of the regular obstacles like the uh, – don't remember that some of the names. I, I know ninja side names for obstacles, like when they go in the OCR and they switch the names. But the uh, moving pegs, I always love to see that in there. Um, the hooks, I like to see in there all the time. That's that's always one obstacle. Again, you had the stairway mat or the stairway three point Still, that was fun. Um, a lot of the school valleys in there, low hanger rigs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think a raw. I love the obstacles in this race. Yeah, I think mean, I think hands down has the best obstacles out of any OCR period, in my opinion. And I think uh, I think OCR to be does a real good job of 
putting a lot of technical obstacles in, but not not ones that are super long, right? So if you fall off or if you're tired, you know, you can take a couple of minutes and kind of rest and re- recuperate and then go and then try it again and have a decent success rate uh, versus um, just, you know, something that's super long or super technical and it kind of destroys you. So I did, I was kind of, as we were talking, I looked up the completion percentages um, for people. And I, this is from a Josh Chase's post in the OCR World Championships Athletes Group. So if you're not in that group, make sure you get in there. But so for the 3K, uh, pro men completion percentage, 94, and pro female, 88%. So that's, for that, that seems about right. Um, and then for the 15K, 86 and 86% for male and female for the pro. Um, when you get to age group, you have males at 71% completion, females 35%. And this is all the age group, so everything from 60 plus down and, you know, the teenagers to 30s. Um, and then for the 15K, it's 54% for the males and 21% for the females. And then for the journeymen, um, 3K, 15% completion, females, 11%, journeymen for the 15K, uh, 26%, and 7%. So to me, you know, sometimes we're like, oh, the – the course should be harder and should be more technical. But, you know, if you look at the age group for males and, you know, about 45% of the males are losing their band, you know, then I don't know. You know, obviously my, my, my pool of friends here is skewed. Um, mm-hmm. so, so to me, that, that seems like an appropriate uh, completion percentage. Um, any thoughts on that? I mean, yeah, I mean, I would agree with that. Um, definitely going to have, like, you don't want the race too easy where everybody can do it, but you don't want it hard enough where everybody's, like, failing and no one's passing. So, like, the ratio of, the, of what you just said, I mean, that's that's pretty good um, percentages to have. Mm-hmm. You know, it makes it sound like it wasn't hard like it wasn't hard enough for some, but, like, it definitely was hard enough for a lot. So yeah. It, that, I mean, just going off the, the numbers, that's that's a good enough ratio. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, the female age group, 21%, that's a, that's a pretty brutal, uh, uh, finishing percentage on the 15k mm-hmm. and the other so i mean the other, so the other, i'd say the other thing is like sometimes people do the 3k they'll spend all day at an obstacle at the 3k blow out their arms and then come mm-hmm. back the next day and then like oh maybe they would have gotten it if um they hadn't done the 3k the day before so yeah. or just you know the easy ripping the hands you know once you start ripping yep it's too. not it's not easy <laughs> that's true yeah then it hurts to hold everything yeah. Have you have you uh you obviously ninja a lot of experience there. What have what techniques have you found for um taking care of the hands either beforehand or during or like uh any kind of emergency procedure to help your hands uh um, heal well, when you have reps? Be- before and after I do any race or competition, I actually have like one of these uh kind of like a scraper. Um like how people file down like their feet and stuff like pedicures and all that you, mm-hmm. we have ones for our hands also that a lot of rock climbers use just kind of breaks down like the edges of the calluses so like it's not as easy to tear but if i tear like in a competition i mean there's not much you can do in the competition itself um but if you like in a race you could tape up your hands just to at least get some comfort over that if you want to keep going on um after if you tear you know there's a lot of different supplements you could use put on your hands to help kind of just nourish them and help them grow back quicker i kind of just let it heal by itself honestly (laughs) 
Yeah, I'm the same boat. I, I think my, my body tends to be smarter than me. Um, so I, I just, I actually don't, uh, actually finally down. that's the first time I've heard someone say filing down the edges. So it's, um, yeah, because pe- people talk about filing it down, but like, I like how you said filing down the edges. Cause that logically that makes sense to me. Cause then you're not getting it catching versus just like mm-hmm. willy nilly filing down the whole thing. Um, so I think that might be, might be onto something there again. Uh, the, taking lessons from other sports like rock climbing is, um, kind of why I started this podcast. Right. So, um, mm. good input there. Um, yeah. And then when I, when I, when I, if I rip and I have multiple events back to back or whatever, I, I tape it, you know, essentially a Y. So it runs vertically down my palm as opposed to across. Cause when I put it across, it just, the first time I grab something, it, it peels off. Uh, but when I keep it vertically and have it essentially go down straight and then it splits if I'm around my finger and then I tape it down the back side of my hand, uh, it seems to stay a little bit better for me. Whew. All right. Um, then also in the 15K, there was the 2014 Platinum Rig. So uh, supposedly the same rig that was in the 2014 OCR World Championships. And when it was put in the 2014 OCR World Championships, it was the first time most of us had seen a Platinum Rig, unless you were from Canada. And it obliterated the field, and it basically – the female finishing percentage, I'm not sure what it was off the top of my head, uh, but I remember nine females, pro-females passed in 2014. And wow. like, like I've been saying like it, for the last couple of years, I've been like, yeah, well, if you throw that in a race now, no one's even going to talk about it. And at least from the groups, I, again, I was hanging out with all weekend. No one mentioned the 2014 Platinum Rig. It was just like, oh, yeah, there was a rig on the, on the mountain. No big deal. Any, any thoughts on the 2014 rig, the orange and um black one that was up on the mountain i'm trying to think is it the was it basically had like a three different sections on one is that the one see you don't even you don't even know what <laughs> that's my <laughs> point exactly you can't even you don't even remember it it was just a, a blur so that was the one where it was like um there was some low rings and there was some nunchucks mixed in there and then it at like okay. the third the third section was like those fat monkey bars gotcha yeah. square monkey bars yeah but that honestly was one obstacle I almost slipped on because I am terrible at um, metal nunchucks. Mm. Sweatiest hands in the sport, I would say, all the time. But I did get through it, but it was the one that surprised me with uh, like just how slippery it could be, especially, you know, it has been raining all, all day and night too. But I did enjoy it. I mean, it, I always love to see um, obstacles that are challenging. Mm-hmm. So when, when I saw myself slipping, I... I, uh, you know, you get scared for it, so then you enjoy it. Like, oh, wow, you know. I thought the hardest <laughs> obstacle for the 15K was the low rig. Because I, I think low rigs are always awkward. What, do, what was your opinion on that one? Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of low rigs. Um, but this year I basically didn't even use my feet, honestly. Half the time I just curled up in a little ball and just swung the whole time. Yeah. Because um, especially so if you're tired. Sometimes it's easier because it's faster, right? You're not, like, mm-hmm. trying to mess around with your legs. You're just using upper body. Yeah, and then if your foot slips hits the ground, then you got to start all over again. So if I have the strength, I will use just my upper body before I use my legs just because I don't trust my shoe from slipping off or something. I actually had my timing chip around my ankle on that one, and on one of the moves, it, it tore off. And luckily, <laughs> the, luckily the volunteer saw it. He was like, hey, Evan, your, your timing chip fell off. 
And I was like, oh. So I finished the obstacle and then went back and grabbed it and continued on there. So, yeah, good stuff. Yeah, I did see a lot of people there in line, though, redoing that obstacle. Low rigs are always hard for people, especially when you had to engage your core, you know, yeah. halfway through a 15K. It, sometimes it's not easy. <laughs> Yeah, it's you, it's hard to do it smoothly. I always feel like my lower rig movements are kind of choppy. And then on top of that, like mm-hmm. I have, I have maybe you've been to one. I've never been to a ninja gym that has a low rig. Have you ever seen one? Um, most times it won't be like a low rig, but we'll have obstacles that are high high enough for us, but low enough for the kids. Yeah. So like it still makes us have to lift our legs up, and so yeah. it's, it's like as close as we're gonna get to like a low rig obstacle. Yeah, mo- basically mo- you're swinging, and you gotta keep your knees to your stomach, basically. Gotcha. Yeah, Modus Ninjas in uh, at their two locations has similar stuff, but yeah, it's not designed to be a low rig. But yeah, it's a good point. It's you can use it as a low rig. Um, re- so the my 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 funny story from the 15k on Skitch. Um, so I'm going across it, right? That's the one with the two hooks, and you make the transition, mm-hmm. and then I go to hit the bell. Right. Uh, when I make the transition, I usually switch to one hook. So basically, I, I only transfer for one yeah. hook, and then I grab and just kind of slide. Um, so I go to hit the bell, and I completely miss with my hands, and I like I land, and I'm like, damn it! And I was like, so I go to pick up the the hook off the ground because I was like, oh, I, well, I missed the bell, and then I look up, and the hook is on the bell. So I uh-huh. I actually did hit it with the with the hook um, because the hook was still physically standing there. And I looked at the author. He's like that. He's like, "You're good." And I was like, "Oh, okay." So, uh, yeah, that's my funny, uh, funny sketch story there. Yeah, I usually, uh, I usually just bring both hooks just in case. But this year, I did just go to the one hook and slide technique. And sometimes you you have to be ready for that slide because I went in so fast, I almost missed the bell myself. I yeah. slid straight to the end, um, almost whiffed, whiffed hitting the bell, but I smacked it just in time before I hit the ground. Gotcha, good stuff. Definitely a fun obstacle. And then, uh, any thoughts on the team race? Um, I actually wasn't able to watch much of the team race because that's when the hundred meter championships are happening. Ah, uh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I we skipped, started. I skipped the team race this year. I uh, basically most of my my friends had signed up without me uh, on other teams, and then I was like, oh, and then my flight was too early, so I was like, eh. So I ended up not doing it, but um, that's why you, you stay an extra day or two, like I do. <laughs> I know I should have just taken I should have just taken more time off work. I was trying to be a good employee though, and not not take more time. But um, my two my uh, friends from Hannibal Race were actually at the event. Uh, Amin Dib and uh, Badri, um, two of the owners of Hannibal Race, and I did not know they were going to be there until a couple of weeks beforehand. I'd already booked my flight tickets. If I knew they were going to be there, I would have stayed an extra day to hang out with them because. Uh, that was pretty awesome to get to show them uh, the world of OCRWC because obviously, um, you know, OCR is like you get like a different flavor every part of the country you go to. It's interesting. I was talking to um, one of the females from France and she's like, yeah, you know, the obstacles here are, are easy compared to what we have. And I was like, oh, interesting, you know. Um, and then like whenever we talk about obstacle difficulty in Europe, a lot of people cite toughest. And uh, I was talking to someone by the strength and speed booth when we were selling blood mitts. And again, they were like, yeah, you know, toughest, the obstacles aren't very hard. And I was like, oh, really? Um, it's like, I feel like that's the opposite impression we have here. But um, I guess with toughest, there's 
speed lane so you can actually um, take easier routes or, uh, you know, essentially penalty out of some of the obstacles if necessary. So. Hmm. Cool. All, All right. right. I've yet to do a Tough Mudder myself, so I would love to do one one day. Yeah, so Toughest, not Tough not tough Mudder. I'm saying – so okay. th- there's a brand called Toughest that's in Europe only, and then Tough uh-huh. Mudder also has Toughest Mudder, which is the 12-hour. Um, so, yeah, it gets confusing because whenever we talk about worlds, depending on who you're talking to, sometimes they're talking about OCR World Championships. Sometimes they're talking about World's Toughest Mudder, so – um, uh, same thing with toughest. If you're in the tough motor crowd and you say toughest, you're talking about the 12 hour race. If you say it in Europe, you're talking about the um, European race. Unless you're talking to a tough motor person in Europe, then it, you know, because they do have, they usually have one toughest every year in UK. All right. So that's enough OCRWC talk. We're still waiting to hear where the 2023 location is. Um, but we'll, uh, we'll keep an eye out for that. Let's jump into some of the other work you've done. So we'll start off, well, I think, one of the, a very unique event and opportunity uh, you've been a part of, uh, Overcoming Obstacle Ministries. So tell people what that is, and uh, yeah, we'll go from there. Uh, basically, Overcoming Obstacles Ministry is a group of guys, mostly all from Ninja Warrior, that we get to take a Ninja Warrior obstacle course. We have three now into different churches all around. Um, mostly the south because we're off in the south, but we're trying to expand to the north. And we'll take in, let the kids play on the course uh, for a while. We have one of our guys preach the gospel to the kids, and then um, just basically go on from there. It's it's a way to share the gospel, but like also have the kids involved with what we do and show them the sport. Cool. So how do how long does this uh, do these events last? Like, do you is it an hour event thing or is it like an all day thing? Uh... Um, it it's different depending on what um, church, like, wants us to come out to. Most events will be, like, three to four hours, but some are weekends, weekend longs, like, D-Nows, a lot of churches like to do. Well, they have us out there the whole weekend, um, where we also kind of build upon each day a different story or, or, like, link it all together. But if you're just doing, like, a community outreach, I would say, you know, three to four hours usually tops. Let them play for about an hour and a half. We'll speak for 30 to 45 minutes, and then let them play again before we end. Nice, nice. And how do if someone wants to get your group to come out to their church, uh, kind of what's the process for making that happen? Um, they would basically go to our website, either on Facebook you can look up Overcoming Obstacles Ministry, or also we have the OvercomingObstaclesMinistry dot com, and you'll contact my guy Jared Greer. He's the the main guy in charge. He's the one that created Overcoming Obstacles Ministry, and basically they just go around seeing what kind of dates we have available. Um, and see if anybody's booked whatever and see what they want to do and all that. But it's not too hard of a process. Just make sure we have the availability to go out there on a certain day. Gotcha. And you guys set up on the day of, or do you take the day before? Like, how often do people need to block off for this? Um, usually, we, we like to do the day before it's set up just so we had the time to, to um, relax before the event actually starts. When we, when we do the uh, build day of, do the event and build and tear down all the same day. It's a lot of work and tax on your body. But usually the day before is a lot better to uh, build a course. But we also ask for volunteers to help us build also. Gotcha. Cool. How long you guys have been uh, running this program? Or how long so did Jared start They started back in 2016. 
um, starting with a little bit of events, but really got going in 17 and 18. I joined in 2018 after season 10 of uh, American Ninja Warrior. That's where we met on. He invited me to one of the uh, events, and I liked it. And I just, from there, we just kept staying in touch. And I started going to more and more events and just joining the team at the end of, or the beginning of 2019, basically, is when I really took on, like, almost like a full-time spot with him. Yeah. That's cool. It's a really cool concept, and I really like the, um, obviously, bringing some younger athletes into the sport and linking uh, the gospel in there. I think that's just a really cool concept. And, uh, yeah, super cool. Uh, do you guys have anything big planned for 2022-23 or just, you know, doing more more events for uh, Overcoming Obstacles Ministries? Um, yeah, yeah, just, you know, the more events we do, the better. But definitely have been trying to expand out to like the north like i said but uh it's hard to uh you got to meet the people the right people basically and to uh give a course to and do the same thing as us basically mm-hmm. but we've expanded to oklahoma we have another obstacle course in there john stem great ninja guy great um preacher also has a course for us now that he goes more north for us even though he's only in oklahoma <laughs> he, he goes all the way up to like iowa he's gone to alabama Gotcha. Uh, we went to Pennsylvania, but yeah, future plan is just to expand more and more and just to reach more people. Gotcha. Is it, is it a, do you guys do a specific denomination or is it uh, kind of non-denominational or what's the, uh... um, basically it's, I would say we, we lean more towards Baptist, but at the same time, it's non-denominational as long as like, like we don't like. It's hard to say, like, I guess, but we do go to other churches. Like, we, we don't, like, say no to a church because they don't believe in this, like, the exact same as us. We, we will gotcha. go to them. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. Makes sense. So why is it, do you think, so I, I feel like, you know, there's, obviously there's there's Christians and then some of them are vocal in the OCR community, uh, but the ninja community feels like they're more vocal. Uh, why do you think that is, as someone who kind of straddles both worlds? So you, you said uh, Ninja is more vocal than OCR? Yeah, when it comes to their uh, religious beliefs, yeah. Um, just from, like, my pers- – like, what I've seen around, I think, like uh, – and I, this is out trying trying to say it without stepping on anybody's toes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, just, like, Ninja side, I think they're just more open, like, with, like uh, – sharing their beliefs and stuff like when i go to the gym the ninja gym like you'll have a lot of christian based ninjas working out with a lot of people that would say they're not religious and you know we don't judge but we might speak our mind to them like you know you, you have the talks like why do you believe in this why do you believe in that and like no one you know argues about it they just like like to share their views but when i go to the ocr side it just seems more uh shut off like you, you don't want to share your religion around <laughs> too much because there's so many varieties mm, just the way i've kind of seen it it's a okay. lot more uh like argumented if you on the ocr base oh, interesting say. yeah i was just curious um because the like so the when i went to uh, the two seasons i've done ninja warrior there was like oh you know michelle warnke's like oh look, make sure you go to the prayer group and she like threw me in the facebook group and uh mm. I, the first year I, I did, I, I actually I went to uh, most of their meetings. Um, 
second year my family was in town so i didn't i ended up not going and uh hanging out with them um but yeah i was just kind of curious i think um from my perspective i think it's just the you know for ninja i think it always ends in failure right like mm-hmm. yeah. you know like you'll eventually whether you whether you're it, it, unless you're the guy winning ninja warrior like 99.99 percent of the people hit fa- failed at some point right um oh yeah and i think that um and kind of that blow to your uh how you see yourself i think makes people be a little more open um because they're vulnerable that's it's my take on it um mm. so I, I think they they maybe lean on it more versus if it's a it's a race and it doesn't go well you're like ah it's one race i'll you know i'll get it next weekend versus especially in a and w it's like well all right you got I all might, year <laughs> I, I i might get it next year if they they let me come back you know um which is always a crapshoot so yeah i've actually if- I have never actually gotten a call from the show. I've only walked on twice. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm that's... waiting for that call still. <laughs> that's crazy. That's crazy. So l- let's jump in. Uh, talk a little bit about your ninja experience, right? So you do the walk on, and um, tell us uh, how the the two years you did that you uh, competed went. So season ten, it was in Dallas, and you know, home home turf. I love I loved it. I got on because I walk online. Basically, season ten, before season ten, you had to actually stay in the line, like you couldn't leave. When season ten came around, we said, "Hey, we all have jobs. Like, you you can't just sit there in line for thirty days." So we what we uh, created instead was we would come back every day and just check in, and then leave. And so that that way you would check in and your spot would still be um, there. Mm. So for 33 days, I came, I drove an hour and a half, hour and a half back just to check in, you know, and say I'm here instead of staying in line for 30 days, which I think we helped change that because it, it, it was a lot harder for a lot of people that, you know, had full-time jobs that could just take off to right. do that. And then season 10, I was my first year ever, a lot of fun, um, but definitely let the nerves get to me. I got onto the second op school, which I think was pipe grasper. And basically you had to lock in a pipe, lache to another uh, one. And then from there, lache to a cargo net. I basically got to the second um, pipe and would not let go out of straight fear. I, sw- I swung for about 45 seconds until I finally slipped off backwards and landed on my feet in the water, which is amazing. That's and crazy. That's like, that story is crazy because you're such a competent and like uh, technical obstacle athlete too. You know, like to me, that's just like I'm just blown away here on that. All right, keep going. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. With the uh, it's it's always all talk until you get on the stage and you see the camera on your face. You see all the people watching you because I I would say they have about a 500 to a thousand people live watching every every like area, and so uh, I was definitely not the spotlight guy back then and that really changed me that's when i actually joined the ministry team and performing in front of all these big groups helped me for the next season season 11 Mm. so season 11 they changed it entirely there was no walk online there was now a lottery system you would come in the day before write your name on on a ticket and put it in a fishbowl and they would pick out 20 names 
Gotcha. And it did not guarantee that you would run. It's basically the same thing as walk online. They started with five people um, from the walk online. Then they would run um, probably about 60 of the competitors. They would pick five more people from the walk online and then run the rest of the competitors. If they have time, they'll just keep sending walk on people at the end. So you're not guaranteed unless you're in the top 10 to, to actually run the course. Uh, but I got drawn third. Which so I was guaranteed to run, so I, I was pretty excited about that. And that that year was in Oklahoma City for me, so I had to drive about three and a half hours or so, just to, for a chance. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. And then you made it all the way to Vegas uh, for that one. So. Yeah. So it was season eleven. I made. I hit the buzzer on the qualifier. I went third to last the next night, so I knew if I just went fast and got to a certain obstacle, I could move on. That was my strategy. So I just. I got far enough, fast enough, and then died. So I just let go of the obstacle. That I couldn't physically couldn't move my arms by like how much I wasn't breathing. <laughs> and then I uh, stage one, I fell on the double dipper, which was um, kind of like a uh, 75, 25 percent ratio, like or 60, probably 60, 40. A lot of big names fell there. It's so, like I was just watching all night. Um, it's it's such a fast obstacle going from one one slide to another slide that people would just miss it. Mm. And that's why I just whipped it and missed it too. Blending in about 20 foot water. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. I mean, still very, very, very impressive accomplishment, uh, no doubt. And um, and then how did you end up getting picked for uh, obstacle tester? Um, so basically, to be an obstacle tester, you have it kind of comes down to like you have to know the right people. Um, and you you know being on the show helps with that. You know, saying I'm a Vegas finalist, they look at you more than um, a random name that they don't know yet. So I, um, I won't say the guy's name, but basically the guy's in charge of the obstacle testing. I got his email. I emailed him, and he'll basically say yes or no right then and there if he if he wants you. So if he if he likes if he if he knows who you are, then he'll pick you. But sometimes he'll take some random people also. So he took about I would say twenty five of us this year to go test the obstacles for the qualifier round. Good stuff. So, yeah, like I was saying so, at the beginning of the episode, that's that to me. That seems like the most, the most fun. Just get you get to play on everything repeatedly, and uh, I think oh, yeah. the, I think the change to the walk-in line is good. You know, like even from like a city perspective, like you essentially you have a if you, the thirty-day thing, you'd have like a thirty-day hobo encampment like on your mm-hmm. on your streets with people like you know that's like in a public eyesore. So and I'm that's not, actually one of the reasons we helped change it is. It was at the state fairgrounds in Dallas, and they said, "No, we're not letting you stay here." <laughs> yeah, we close at 10 p.m. You have to leave. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, we're gonna start wrapping things up. Um, before we get going, though, we like to ask people tell us something people would be surprised to know about you. So, um, I did not. That give, is give you a no warning time to think one. on that. <laughs> no. So uh, you know, whatever could be could be something. I usually the more random the better. Uh, we've had guys talk about their Pokemon card collections on here, um, all sorts of good stuff. Ashley told a story about I can't <laughs> I can't even repeat it. Go go back and listen to the Ashley and Brenna episode. The last time the two of them were on there about the about Wendy's, it's literally the funniest thing that has happened on this podcast. I, I laughed so hard while while recording it. I laughed while editing it, and I laughed while listening to it again. Um, so. I mean, one thing that comes to mind, um, 
when if you know me like personally like you know it but a lot of people wouldn't know being in all these sports you think you got to be very flexible and i actually can't even touch my own toes like i've never done it <laughs> that's good yeah and, yeah so like, i i definitely have a disadvantage on that like i'm not the fle- most flexible person ever but uh i just never grew up stretching I should have been the whole time. I'm I'm learning it now. Um, but yeah, I've never once that I can remember touched my toes while stretching. Yeah, that's a good one. So uh, I I try to match whatever the uh, guest is saying. So similarly, yeah, I'm not super flexible. Um, and I, I was talking to some of the people I do jujitsu with, and they were like, they're like, how are you? Like, aren't you like a an elite athlete? Like how? It's like, well, I'm, I'm specialized. Like, I'm very specialized for what I yeah. do. Um, and when you make me do movements outside of my specialty, my muscles are not used to moving in that direction. Um, so I don't have to touch my toes typically. Uh, I can touch my toes now, if, um, but that's only – that's a relatively new thing in the last couple of years. And, uh, or you're so, better than me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you needed to do – for the martial arts, you need these kicks, um, stuff like that. So my, my flexibility has gotten slightly better, and my uh, – my balance in multiple planes of movement as opposed to just like linear has gotten better. Uh, but so last week we're doing, we're warming up for jujitsu and basically doing forward rolls. And I rolled forward and I, I pulled or tore an intercostal muscle. I'm not sure what happened, but between my ribs there. And I was literally on the ground, like groaning for two minutes. And they were like, are you, are you being serious? And I was like, I can't breathe, you know, cause it, cause my, all my like chest muscles locked up. Um, and then I ended up going, I couldn't sleep that night. I went to the hospital the next day. As I was worried, I had broken something because I had like this lump on my chest. And um, long story short, I didn't break anything. They said I bruised the intercostal and uh, bruised a, or strained the intercostal, bruised a rib, uh, huh. they think. Um, but it wasn't kind of a hard diagnosis. And took two, I'm supposed to be, this is supposed to be my peak week uh, this week and next week for, for uh, World's Toughest Motor. So I took like 48 hours off and then I was like, all right, I'm back to running and went back to eight and 10 mile runs. And uh, I ran 20 miles yeah. this morning. So, uh, you know, it's fine. Well, as long as me. I ran six. <laughs> if you, if I stay upright, it's fine. Uh, like the twisting and bending motions of jujitsu are not, I do not like that. Um, so I've been trying to take it easy for those, but, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll I, see. Uh, my one in- injury this year was I pulled my groin, uh, riding a bull. For the first time oh yeah i wanted to ask about that too um <laughs> tell me a little bit about bull riding yeah so uh, i was actually um a little bit west of san antonio in texas i was at one of our overcoming obstacles ministry events and they had a bull riding club there and i've always said that if i get the chance i'm gonna do it and so they they offered it to us like hey we can get a bull here and it, without hesitation i said like, i'll do it probably one of the most stupidest things you can think of if you're not ready for something like that i would say like i would always say if you want to try it try it but make sure you're ready i not being flexible it's the reason i got hurt i had about 45 minutes of training about how how to stay on a bull they do they, they have like barrels that you train on and they're basically you ready like all right let's do it i rode it um lasted about seven seconds the first time decided to go again for some reason and before i hopped on the bull i said it's a 50 50 chance i get hurt 
and I was correct. My second run, I pulled my groin, and I was done. And I said, it's a great experience, but I should have stopped at one. <laughs> Any, um, again, we like to pull lessons from other sports. Obviously, you have a, you've only dipped your toe in the bull riding world. Any kind yeah. of lessons you can pull from that into uh, Ninja or OCR? Um, Whether it be physical, I like can, strength or yeah, mental? I was like, from my eighth grade teacher, Ms. Slovacek, I've always kept this in my head. Don't write checks your body can't cash. <laughs> and I, I've stuck that in my head ever since she told me that. So I was really small growing up. But, uh, yeah, it's like you can be as confident as you want on anything. But make sure that you're actually able to do what you want to do, especially on Ninja. I've I've done some huge moves that have got me hurt. That you know you send it for the gram, as they say. You want to you want to be cool on video, and then you regret it later. I've I've had shoulder tears, um, blown out knees, some all these big moves. I'm not stretching enough for a woman up for. Yeah. yeah, definitely warm up before you do anything too too big. I hear that. Yeah, my in my my latest book on endurance, the one where I pull a bunch of kind of quotes and lessons from people from podcasts. One of the things I talk about is like the a lot of things that make you a great athlete are like a double edged sword, right? Like the the ability to like ignore pain and push through limits and like like really send it when you need to is also the same reasons like people get hurt <laughs> because you're yeah. like, oh no, I, I I literally think I can do anything, and then you get hurt and you're like, oh right, I I can't always do anything. Yeah. But, and now you're out for three months. <laughs> yep, yeah. But, you know, sometimes that, that, that ability to kind of, like, ignore the pain and push through things is what separates people from, you know, draw, uh, showing up to a race and winning or, or not showing up at all, right? So, mm-hmm. All right. Any, uh, any final shout-outs you want to give friends, family, sponsors, anything we missed talking about, et cetera? I mean, just shout-out to my team, Overcoming Obstacles Ministry. Got a lot of people on there. Uh, Jared Greer, Brent Burden, Walker Lloyd, John Stem, Sally Greer, Nate, Burke Halter, and all the other Greers in the family. <laughs> the gotcha. whole team right there. Yeah, and we'll drop some links. Uh, we'll have you send over some links, and we'll drop some links in the show notes if anyone wants to learn more about about you guys and kind of how they can get you out to one of their events. And yeah, always looking for some new places to. Uh, go to and share gotcha good stuff um for our listeners uh head over to teamstrengthspeed.com the are uh i ran out of blegmits at ocr world championships but i have more in my warehouse aka my actual house so we are we're sending them out um i know some people are getting them for world's toughest mud or some of the other kind of cold weather races i would say order them sooner rather than later just because when it gets close to world toughest mother, usually my supply gets low, and sometimes I run out of specific styles or uh, sizes. And then other than that, um, I've got a whole bunch of. If you're from the UK and you're listening to this, or you know anyone from the UK, tell them to shoot me a message. I have a bunch of UK free audio download codes in my book, Ultra OCR Man. Now, I don't need anything from you. I just have a bunch of codes, and I'm not going to use them. Just shoot me a message. Say I'm from the UK. And I will send you over the code. It works only for the UK version of Amazon or something like that. Um, so, yeah, uh, you can check that out. And then, obviously, all the books are available at uh, teamstrengthspeed.com. 
Uh, I've also got a fighting section up there now talking about some of the self-defense. If you enjoyed some listening to some of the uh, stories from Tiga tactics and then uh, check back later. We're planning on doing a Halloween focused episode coming up later this month. And then we also got uh, Zach talking about tactical games coming up uh, later this month. All right. We will catch you later. Kendall. Thanks again for coming on. Good talking to you. You too, man. All right. We'll see you around. All right, man. Take care. Bye.